Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield talking to you today from the Nebraska Farm Bureau Annual Convention taking place in Kearney, Nebraska. And Sam Hudson joining us with Corn Belt Marketing. And as we take a look at what's happening in the market trade, we uh, saw some Sharpie higher soybeans. And I think that's where we're going to start out with, Sam. Obviously, you said um, um, the funds have been on the shorter side, and that's just going to continue to set the stage for the beans? Yeah, you know, Friday's uh, equipment of traders report showed funds short over 100,000 contracts, quite a bit larger. I believe actually almost 40,000 contracts larger short position than the trade was expecting. Now, keep in mind, when that report comes out on Friday, that data is accurate as of the Tuesday prior. So since then, we've seen four sessions here, Wednesday, Thursday, um, uh, Friday, and then again today here where we've had a higher market. So we think we have to assume that some of those positions have been covered, but with the basis remaining firm and continuing to... um, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of people wondering if China's already maybe scooped up some of these beans, even if it's just state-owned companies buying them. So I think uh, it, was, it was the path of least resistance, I guess, for, for the short story there because the farmer wasn't interested in selling uh, and the shorts maybe got a little bit spooked here with holding such a large position. At what point have you guys just kind of pushed China to the sideways, uh, sidelines, that is, and wait till something more concrete comes in? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, all we did last week was talk about how the trade deal wasn't going to happen, and by midweek here, the market was turning around. And I think just the you know the fact that we couldn't confirm that it wasn't going to happen, and there were rumors you know literally in the opposite direction, has, has kind of helped spur this thing. But now we got a crop report tomorrow, um, and still you know a lot of uncertainty surrounding what is actually going to happen from the U.S. and China. There were some rumors that we we did they did book a, a few cargoes out of the Gulf here uh, early this week. Let's talk about that report tomorrow. Are we going to expect any surprise? or could we see any surprises? Uh, I have a concern we could get a surprise in that. You know, when I look at the trade guesses, uh, the average trade guesses are looking for the carryout in both corn and beans to just increase just slightly. Uh, I, I have that concern because when you look at the demand paces uh, that we're on, uh, you know, we're just w- way too far behind for me to really buy into that number. So I think it's impossible to see demand go up tomorrow. I think it's just a question of how much they cut it. If we can get away tomorrow with, uh, or get through tomorrow with only a 50 million bushel cut to, to corn demand, I think the market can hold its own. Uh, but if we see an increase of, or excuse me, a decrease of 100 million plus bushels on the export side, or maybe a little bit out of ethanol too, it's going to be hard for this market to to really find itself, even though we'll expect those supply cuts in January for both of these. So uh, definitely something to be aware of and keep in mind, uh, you know, typically we don't see uh, production adjustments tomorrow. Um, you know, surprises are called surprises for a reason, but we'll see what happens. Now, could we expect to see those surprises more in the January report versus the December report? Yeah, and I actually think if they cut demand more than expected tomorrow, you know, for the short term, it's not going to be uh, real helpful, obviously. You could see another leg down, but with funds already holding, you know, a decent size short uh, in the corn, you know, 80 to 100,000, I don't know that they'll press that ahead of a January report either. So if we get one last kind of glimmer of, of the poor demand structure and can bake that into the market, it may provide, uh, you know, a better environment here moving forward over the next, uh, you know, 30 days until that January report. You know, on Friday, we saw Stats Canada do some, some change-ups to their production numbers canola for example which of course um, beans had a bit of a reaction on friday but if canada says we've already seen some issues because of the weather we know the crop isn't there could that kind of maybe set the stone in place for the u.s to say okay maybe we do need to relook at these numbers uh, I mean, maybe yes, maybe no. I, you know, I think part of the problem you have right now and, and what we've continued to see, especially in this late planted corn, is test weights under 50 pounds. Uh, and, and trying to measure or guess at that, 
uh, before harvest is even over, I think is is impossible for anyone to do. And I think the fact that the demand looks so poor, I would I would favor that they leave the de- the, the production numbers alone and don't really make any adjustments there. If they really think that that's going to be a major factor moving forward, uh, maybe they uh, maybe they just punt on cutting demand tomorrow as opposed to cutting the uh, you know cutting demand and lowering production and getting the same net result. Looking at the uh, USDA also extending those crop progress reports, we know we're going to see another one yet this mm-hmm. afternoon. Do we see any pickup? And um, we had some decent weather over the weekend. Could there have been some harvest movement? Yeah, it depends on where you're at. I mean, it, we were still relatively slow, but it's just, it, it, you know, guys seem to be getting kind of a day at a time. And, you know, it's interesting to see uh, Illinois has been 100% harvest on beans, I think, for two weeks. And it doesn't really take too long to drive down the road and find, uh, find a bean field. So I don't know how much, you know, these stock you throw in the data anyway. I think the theme here is that we still got a lot of corn in the field. And anything harvested here over the last two weeks and onward, it, it was likely late and probably has a test weight issue, maybe some quality issues, and maybe even some pomatoxin issues that we're hearing out uh, Iowa and East. Which means we're probably going to have to wait till 2020 to get that crop out of the ground. Yeah, I think that's going to be the case. I think a lot of guys, uh, in, in fact, some elevators quit taking corn under 54 to 53 pound test weight. But if you have this vomitoxin issue too, uh, they're going to really start clamping down on that. Uh, we've heard of several trains coming out of Iowa where uh, the quality just isn't what the buyer expected, and it's resulting in you know some increased. Uh, you know, circuit breakers there to you know get it, anything over five parts per, five parts per million you know higher uh, are, are going to basically be rejected. So uh, yeah, you're right. It's going to end up in the field, and they're going to have to take to a processor somewhere, and who knows when that'll be. Just another nail in the coffin for these producers. Yeah, 2019. Uh, I think everyone's ready to put it behind them. Unfortunately, it's going to you know 2019 problems are going to stretch right into 2020, and you know that becomes our next hurdle is knowing that we've got nearly 180 million acres to go towards corn and beans. Uh, and even though we've seen uh, 10 million acres cut out this year, you know, we still have prices where they're at and, and a lot of uncertainty on demand moving forward. Early on uh, today, USMCA was talked about from the president's perspective saying that a tentative deal has been reached with the Democrats and we could see a vote as early as next Monday. Markets kind of like with China, this that wait and see attitude. Yeah, I mean, this thing has been tentative for months. I don't know how you can throw a lot of weight into anything, any headlines you see. If they've held it up for this long, why wouldn't they continue to do it? I, I just, I, I, uh, I refrain from even trying to guess at the outcome of some of this stuff anymore. <laughs> you and everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a nice, nicely put, too. There we go. Well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming up here on the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. We'll take a look at what's happening south of the border with, um, I understand, some weather issues maybe moving in to areas of South America. We'll take a look at the livestock side as well. Lots yet to happen. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Nebraska Farm Bureau Convention is where I am at today, where we're broadcasting. But we've got on the phone with us Sam Hudson from Corn Belt Marketing. And I think if people could hear, Sam, our conversations during the commercial breaks, a lot of interesting things always seem to to lead up to what's happening next. And I, looking at what we're seeing, the Brazilian weather, they say it's in good shape, but you just go south to Argentina, and there's a lot of issues brewing. Yeah, especially uh, you know further south where they've been deficit almost all year, and they got a pretty good reprieve here a month ago or so, uh, and we knew that would carry them a little while, and it also knew that it was so early in the season that it's a little too early to cry wolf in general. But now you're getting into that time frame. You know, this is kind of the equivalent of our June, where uh, these crops have emerged and, and are going to need some uh, some subsequent water. So. 
figuring out what uh, what that looks like here over the next month or so is definitely going to be pivotal. And I think what compounds that, Susan, is, is the uncertainty on, on their politics and the, and the possibility that farmers could kind of hold grain off the market depending on what happens with currency and stuff like that. And I think that could be as much of a talking point as anything, uh, especially for the short term, because we've definitely closed the gap on U.S. prices versus South America, becoming much more competitive. And if we can start getting some export demand in here before the end of the year, uh, we got a big hole to fill because we're so far behind. But, uh, you know, maybe you can keep that demand outlook steady into the first quarter of 2020 while we also get those supply cuts uh, or the supply cut potential in January along with it. You can be guaranteed that those producers down there are closely watching the politics and the trade talks that we're having here. And that's probably making some decision making on their part as well when it comes to growing crops. Absolutely. And, you know, that could impact the acreage in the next year, those export taxes, you know, if they decide to go after one more than the other. And it, it matters a lot down there because they've seen such an export boon because of the U.S.-China trade war. I mean, they, they've seen their exports grow just dramatically, Brazil as well, uh, because of this issue. So if you throw some political stuff on top and they've already marketed a decent chunk of their crop because they've been beating the U.S. on price, you know, you get into a situation where there's only 20% of their old crop inventory left and no one wants to sell it. And all of a sudden, port premiums rise and, and you know, we can kind of step in and, and fill the gap. So how are our prices comparing when we look at the Gulf? Uh, you know, generally speaking, when I was looking at stuff last week, I mean, we've kind of narrowed that gap between, you know, five and ten cents to even, really. It depends on what you're looking at and who's buying and, and you know, after you apply freight. Um, but we're definitely within striking distance, and that's why some of these currency levels, too, are going to matter in the short term. Because any, you know, aggressive adjustment or swings in those, uh, you know, could make you more, a lot more competitive overnight versus, you know, the day before. You know, you hinted at this during the first half of the Fontenelle final bell, but when we look at weekly export inspections, we know it was soft on the corn, not so much on the beans. We saw some kind of solid numbers. Can we tie that back to, like you said, China looking for those purchases? Yeah, I think to a certain degree, and the good thing about that is, you know, we've now moved up, at least uh, unless there's been more purchases here that we don't know about yet, we've moved up to about two-thirds of 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 what we sold to them that has been shipped, which you know narrows the wind or narrows the amount that you could see you know potentially canceled down the road, and I think what this was is them filling up their DSGN time slots, uh, you know, kind of into the end of the year and getting their needs from Brazil, uh, so that they can get through any weather scares or anything like that, and then the next uh, you know the next point would be you know getting January, February, March slots filled up before their harvest, and hopefully we can fill a pretty good need there. Um, and I think, you know, one thing that's encouraging in, in terms of China and demand just in general uh, overall is that their, their import purchases over the last three months or so are really starting to rise. And you wonder if this is kind of the beginning of the tale of this ASF thing. Uh, it's just too soon to tell. Well, since you brought up livestock, let's jump over to the livestock side. You know, they say the cure for low prices is low prices. But, Sam, as we look at this cattle market, definitely have some low price action going on. What are your thoughts as we kind of set the tone for this trading week? Yeah, you know, and I think that market's just a little torn on which way to go. We're in a situation where, where this February contract uh, is going to become the lead month here pretty soon, and it has held a pretty good premium to the cash market here for quite a while. And now, you know, there again, you've kind of seen that gap narrow a little bit, and now the trade's kind of trying to figure out where cash goes from here. And I think a lot of that's going to hinge on, you know, protein values in general and what it looks like for this trade thing moving forward. Uh, you know, we've got the opportunity to potentially increase our beef exports even further uh, and it's already been strong. So it's hard to get real bearish, uh, you know, but fun, funds are long that live cattle market, and it's, it's going to remain sensitive, and cash needs to continue to, to move higher to get the futures to go that same direction. But we're only a couple weeks away from Christmas. Isn't that normal that we start to see the doldrums take place in in the livestock market? Yeah, that's the other thing. It's not really atypical, you know, and that's why you could 
see the market be, you know stay between 120 and 20, 125 on these front months uh, just until we know more we see what happens coming out of winter or we get a winter scare with winter weather or something like that we're going to have this cold blast of temperatures here coming in through this week and uh, I know two weeks out there's a chance for uh, maybe some precipitation along with it so we'll see how that develops. Is there a lack of support taking place in this lean hog market? I think it's just the, you know the fact that this U.S. producer has continued to gear up to fill the need with the ASF, and we just have not seen the demand wave uh, that the market's expecting. Even though, even though the the world market is in need of that protein, uh, you know China's been living off their frozen reserves. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 800-655-3380 or www.cornbeltmarketing.com. All right. Don't forget, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss and are not suitable for all investors. That is the Monday version of the Fontenelle Final Bell. Again, Sam Hudson's been joining us today with Corn Belt Marketing. You can find this as a podcast through our website at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcast. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.